And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 363. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. My name is Tom Harris. I'm your host. And before we get started today, I just want to do a quick shout out, quick thank you to those of you who have filled out our surveys over on the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. There are three of them. Uh, one asks where you access the show. One asks you questions about what format you prefer. There's also a question about what you'd like to see us covered, and more importantly, what you'd not want to see covered. And I'm finding out some interesting things here. Um, So I I really appreciate all the feedback and I encourage you if you're out there listening. I am going to continue to monitor those polls through the end of January. So another couple of weeks. We're going to weigh those those opinions in to our coverage and not necessarily going to stick to it, you know, 100%. But, uh, you know, there's some surprises in there, quite frankly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in what in what people are thinking. And, and uh, yeah, so feel free to go there, fill out the surveys, and let us know what you think. All right. And without any further ado, we have an issue of Thor to cover. So let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You behold in breathless wonder. And this week, we are looking at the Mighty Thor number 212. June of 1973 is the cover date. 20 cents is the cover price. Cover art is by Gil Kane, inked by Frank Giacoya. Shows a weird lizard-type person. Uh, he's wearing armor, and he has a little, tiny little double-bladed axe hanging from his wrist. And he's, like, doing the two fingers up thing like the <laughs> like uh, somebody British flipping you off and he's uh, obviously auctioning somebody off and we'll find out who that is in a second and he is saying hear ye hear ye what am I bid for this fine specimen of godhood and he's pointing to Odin and Odin is uh, wrapped up in chains and he's standing on like a, you know, a slave block and yeah there's a bunch of people around and it looks like they're bidding on him and there's a weird guy and the fish guy in the foreground with like, like a beak and there's some like uh, yeah various monstrous kind of people and then swooping in from the uh, right hand side we have Thor swooping in he says your life lizard man for his that's what he's bidding and the cover blurb says, The Secret of Scar. And we open up to the splash page, of course, where we have the credits. Jerry Conway was the scripter. John Buscema and Don Perlin are the artists. Vinnie Coletta was the inker. D. Vladimir was the letterer. Somebody Goldberg was the colorist. I'm guessing Petra Goldberg, though. It could be somebody other Goldberg. And Roy Thomas was the editor. 
The title of the story is Journey to the Golden Star. And we have a full page here of Thor ripping open a couple of doors. And he's just ripping and crunching the doors open. And I gather that these are in Avengers Mansion because that's where we left our, our intrepid band the last time. And uh, Fandral and Hogan are trying to stop Thor from, from doing this. My Lord Thor, thou must not enter, says Fandral. Please, my lord. The sight is too painful for mere immortal eyes to bear. Be gone, both of thee, says Thor. I am the sacred son of Odin, and none may say me nay. And he crunches his way in, and it is Balder laying on a bed, and he's kind of thrashing around, and he's going, Back, demons, back, I say. Touch me not, oh, I beg thee. And Thor, shocked by this, By Asgard's rainbow bridge, thou didst speak the truth. Tis Balder indeed, and indeed... The man is mad. And Hildegard and uh, Hogan and Fandral and Volstagg are all in the room. And Thor says, Is this the end of my quest? To find the one I seek? But to find him lost in the corridors of his own treacherous mind? Thou dost see him as he came to us, my lord, says Hildegard. His brain shattered by some sight or experience we can scarcely dare to imagine. No word doth he speak of Sif thy beloved, or of Carnilla his own love. Rather, but one word doth pass his lips that we may understand. Asgard, says Hogan, always this, nothing more. Well, apparently he doesn't understand very many words then because uh, he didn't understand that uh, he was saying back demons or whatever. Anyway, my lord, says Fandral, dost thou think that it may be Odin's doings, interrupts Thor? Yea, perhaps, for did not my father exile us warriors of Asgard to this planet Earth? And did he not ordain that any who should brave Asgard's gates would find himself condemned? Yea, methinks this is my father's work, and for it shall he pay, says Thor, and he's not looking too happy, and he decides he's going to start bossing people around. Hildegard, one amongst us must stay in Avengers' mansion and so care for our comrade Balder. Look not to me, then, says Hildegard. Tis not this woman's work. My lord, says the voice. Let brave Volstagg guard this perilous port, for truly there be none finer with a protective blade than he. Very well, the luminous one, says Thor. The task is thine. Then off with thee, says Volstagg. And when thou dost strike, strike once for Volstagg. That we will, says Thor. And they go off, leaving Volstagg here with Balder alone. And Balder is saying, Demons, release me ere I go mad. Thy touch, thy touch. Oh, Asgard, why hast thou forsaken thy warrior son? Easy, brave Balder, says Volstagg. Thy wrist shall ne'er be disturbed while Volstagg doth man this staunch barricade. And uh, he's sitting there and it says, And so a lonely vigil begins, and only those impolite enough to stare would ever see that bold Volstagg doth sweat the sweat of fear. And we shift scenes to outside of the building, and we have the uh, Warriors 3, except for Volstagg, and we have Thor, and we have Tannenile and Silas Grant, and Thor is whipping his hammer around, and he says, Stand firm, the moment of return doth draw near, and though not all of thee be of Asgard born, still shalt thou find thou art in a way flying home. Uh, that's a very weird thing to say. But anyway, uh, we have a giant choom as they all are uh, transported. And we see them flying through a sort of very basic kind of Kirby space kind of dealy. Um, and a sort of uh, streak of light. So we, we've see, kind of seen this before. But anyway, 
Um, says, uh, through the cosmos in the single wink of time and yay to Asgard. And the uh, six of them land, or five of them, I guess. Is, no, six of them uh, land on the Rainbow Bridge. And we see it kind of you know, curving off into the distance as we always do. And Thor says, by Loki's mischievous soul, what new confoundment is this? The Rainbow Bridge, empty of life, unguarded? And look ye, yon portals stand open, the walls untended. The fortress broached. I like it not, lad, says Silas Grant. It stinks of a filthy trap. That it doth indeed, Silas Grant, says Thor. And yet I cannot believe tis so. Listen, the streets do ring with our footsteps, hollow with the sound of a tomb. If tis a trap, tis not of my father's making. And uh, they're passing underneath this sort of weird balcony thing, and we see this sort of weird lizard man creature standing above them, and he's got like a like a leather skirt on, like a, one of those like ancient Greek skirts with the, kind of like what Hercules wears. Um, and the, kind of a shoulder strap thingy too that's blue and very kind of gaudy. But anyway, he's watching them as they pass by. And Hildegard is asking, Canst thou be so sure, my lord? True, tis not Odin's way to act so surreptitiously. Still, and they are interrupted by the lizard man dropping on top of Hildegard and, and grabbing her by the shoulders. And Silas Grant wheels around and goes, Saints above, look out, lass, behind ye. And she's like, Odin's bond, vermin. Asgard streets have run foul that thou mayest walk the city free. And she picks up the lizard guy by, by his leg and is by his throat. And she starts swinging him around by his tail. Because he has a tail, because he's a lizard. And uh, she's swinging him around, and the, the lizard thing is hissing. And <laughs> Thor's like, Hildegard, nay! The creature may know what mystery doth lurk within these darkened streets. We must. And just as he says that, she lets him go and smashes him against the wall. There's a giant chunk, and the lizard guy falls, and he starts to dissolve, and he's turning into. What looks very much like soap suds, though they say ashes a little bit later. But anyway, looks like soap suds to me, so that's what we're going with. Scrubbing bubbles. Uh, he turns into scrubbing bubbles, and Hildegard is like, My Lord Thor, never did I intend to strike him so hard. But if I'd but known. Thy words are useless now, Hildegard. Whatever manner of creature twas, tis creature no longer. And there's a fts as the <laughs> lizard turns into scrubbing bubbles and disappears. And they're all kind of still staring at this pile of bubbles here. And Fadril says, My lord, it doth stagger the mind. Where once being did lie, ashes now rest. Gone. And with them the answer, says Thor. And a voice comes from behind. It's like, No, not quite, Asgardian. If such you call yourself, there are others who can answer and be answered too. The being you killed was one of my legion. And for that murder must you make payment, or Scar will take it from your pale pink hide. And we see the lizard guy that we saw on the cover. Uh, he's dressed in sort of Asgardian-looking armor. Uh, he's got a purple tabard with a, with a big hole in it, and he's got, you know, they, they've all got like three fingers. The, there's a bunch of lizard men soldiers with him, and they some of them look kind of similar to him, but there's a lot of variation. There's a guy with like a lion's mane. There's a guy who looks kind of like the Gorn from Star Trek, and I think they even name him later as Gorny, which, yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, and a bunch of other kind of background characters. 
And uh, Thor confronts uh, the Sithgar. Who art thou, lizard? And where dost thou come from? What hast thou done with my father Odin? And yea, all of Asgard. Ah, I see the errors, says Sithgar. You think it was we who invaded your land. Know then, Asgardian, that we are both victims of the same evil. An evil I shall gladly explain over a mug of rich ale. And so the group is wandering off towards the Odin Keep, uh, because Thor says, Let us then go to the Odin Keep. There shall we talk, stranger. And uh, Hogan and, and Fandral are kind of whispering to each other while they're walking. I like it not, Fandral. Tis too easy. Thou art a man of many suspicions, Hogan. Take heart. Thor hath never led us wrongly ere now, and I for one do retain my faith in the Thunder God. We'll see, Fandral. We'll see, says Hogan. And they end up in a, um, like a mead hall here in the Palace Royal. We have Sithgar and the other guys, and we have some of his guards, and they're the ones who are serving everyone, I guess. And says several mugs later in the Palace Royal, Mine are renewed people, Thor, and because of it we are a proud people. To understand that pride and how it affects this moment you must bear with a short tale. It is the story of our creation, and through it the story of how we came to be in Asgard, and how we shall surely die. And we go, do, 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 and we're going to the past, and we see uh, a world that looks very much like Earth, and there's volcanoes and vines and that kind of thing. My world was born eons ago, when the universe was young, and the only gods were the lords of fire and creation. It nestled unnoticed in a corner of this galaxy, and for twice a billion years it steamed and grew. My people evolved from lizards, my mammalian friend. At first we were mere digited savages, hunting the great horned beasts who inhabited our dismal swamps. And we see a scene here of the very primitive-looking lizard men, like cavemen, basically, um, attacking a vaguely dinosaur-looking blue monster thing. And it says, Then, as the ages passed, we learned to use our opposing thumbs to make tools, build huts, and gradually, painfully, we became civilized and formed institutions of privilege and alliance. We had towns, mayors, kings, and we have a scene here of some hunter-gatherers and their primitive huts, and then they jump to knights on horseback. Yes, very much like medieval human knights on horseback. It's just they have these weird webbed-footed horse dog thingies with uh, like tapir uh, trunks. And then uh, we have a third panel of people who are literally dressed like 18th century French noble people. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, very, very silly, this. Everything a world needed to count itself master of the universe. Unfortunately, we were not the masters, as we discovered one summer evening. Others were. And we see a scene that looks like something out of 1776. Uh, there's a woman wearing petticoats and a bonnet and other people wearing tricorn hats and stuff. But it's all these lizard people. So anyway, so they, they, their society is basically identical to that of uh, colonial America. And a UFO comes flying down, flying saucer, and opens up, and these insectoid people come pouring out of it, and they say, Take them alive, drones! They'll fetch us a fine price! 
on the block back at the Golden Star. And they're shooting a ray gun at them. It goes, beep. And yeah, they're capturing all the lizard people. My people put up a valiant struggle, but it was of little use. The aliens had weapons unlike any we'd ever seen. And our folk were like lambs brought to the slaughter. "'Twas then I entered. And we see Sthgar and a bunch of his followers, and they're dressed like, uh, I don't know, like American revolutionary soldiers, basically, and they're riding these weird horse tapir things. "'Attack, brothers, for your land, for your lives, for the love of your lord and lady. Attack!' And they're attacking. And they're fighting against these insects, and you see people on both sides dying and then and all this. "'We fell by the hundreds.' We had not a chance. And there's a guy with, um, it's like one of these insectoid people, and he's got a weird assortment of eyeballs on his head. Like, they're not organized like an insect would be. They're just kind of randomly strewn about his head. And he's going, Carry them aboard. This lot will make fine gladiatorial slaves. Not us a nice price they will. And so we left the land of our fathers and journeyed through the cold night of space held like cattle in the ship's dank hold. We plotted escape, and it was pointless. We knew we never would. And we see, yeah, see them being held, and they end up on a planet. And there's all these weird aliens there, and it looks like they're having a slave auction, and the insectoidal people seem to be in charge, and they're auctioning off the lizard people to other weird people um, of various races. It says, it was a nightmare. When finally we reached a civilized world, they auctioned us like animals, and one by one my people were bought. Until the day the aliens passed near your hallowed rainbow bridge. They could tell good stock when they saw it, and so they attacked, and we watched in horror from the decks below, and we see the, the flying saucer attacking the rainbow bridge, and we see Heimdall there, and other gods are kind of try to fight them, but uh, yeah. Uh, we have a kind of a half page here of big battle. A bunch of people are riding out from Asgard and they're attacking the insectoids and they're being blasted by ray guns in return. How long the battle raged, I cannot say, but it did not go quickly. Your men of Asgard fought as though possessed by demons. Wave after wave of riders rode the Rainbow Bridge. And wave after wave, like centaurs struck by a hunter's bolt, they fell. And, uh, yeah, we see Odin, he's commanding the army, and he's shouting out orders. Forward! There shall the men of Asgard fall prey to such as thee. For Asgard! For Odin, says one of the soldiers. Many of the enemy fell also that day, but those that remained still outnumbered the Asgardians, and their weapons outfought your father's swords. Sad to reveal, Asgardian, your men of Asgard were captured by the aliens, and among them the one called Odin as well. And we see the sort of tractor beam thing dragging the Asgardians into the flying saucer. So we cut back to the, uh, the place where they're drinking, and Sithgar is still telling the story. We escaped while the aliens loaded their holds with your father's men. Would that we could have helped, but we could not. And Thor's indignant and angry here, and he's like, But by Odin's beard, the god of thunder can, if thou canst but guide us. Consider it done, Asgardian. We too have reason for revenge. 
we shall leave at once. And uh, we ship scenes, and Thor and company are on one of these uh, space-faring longships that the Asgardians seem to favor. And says, so within an hour, the slim vessel takes to the ebon sky, and its guiding rudder, the god of thunder, Thor. And yeah, so Thor's there along with the usual crew. Uh, Fandral, for some reason, looks like he's getting seasick, which is very odd because they're not at sea. And there shouldn't be any waves or anything to pitch the boat and make it rock and make you seasick. But anyway, and uh, Thor's uh, steering the ship. A strange ship, Thor. We ride no wind, yet its sails are full. No hull encloses us, but still we can breathe. Your magics are greater than Sgar can understand. And magics they are, Sgar, says Thor. The magics of the realm eternal, which did fashion mine hammer. No, they didn't. As well as this space-faring voyager. And we uh, arrive at a planet here. It says, for thousands of light years, the vessel slips through the sky at midnight until at last it nears a golden star and drops toward the azure globe below. And yep, so they're landing. And they actually land on the water which is kind of cool. Uh, and they are like coasting into a dock-like area. And Sithgar says, There, Thor, the port of which I spoke, the land of the golden star. And we have a caption here. Silent he remains as he guides the ship into a harbor cluttered with vessels of all kinds, his jaws firmly set. And as he leads them into the alien city, there is an aura of true nobility about him. Or is he not, and shall he not always remain, Thor, Lord of Thunder, Master of World's Winds? And they get off the ship, and they're striding ashore. And Hogan says, The streets are empty, my lord. It rings of a... And they turn a corner, and Fandral and Thor see something that alarms them, and their eyes get real wide, and Thor says, By all the swords of Asgard! Nay! Nay! And Fandral's like, It cannot be! It cannot be. In truth, it would be enough to strike a man mad, says Thor. And we get a full page here of a slave auction. And we have these various insectoidal people. This is actually very similar to the cover, except with one very striking difference. And that is that there's a, this sort of weird insect guy. And he is auctioning off Odin. And Odin is standing there in chains. And he just is kind of standing there. Now, gentle beings, what am I bid for this fine specimen of humanoid malehood? Tis true the creature gives the appearance of age, but tis appearance only. See these strong muscles, gentle beings, quite fit for domestic duties or industrial chores, if such be your choice. I, a magnificent creature, gentle beings, do I hear an opening bid of twenty centurions? Oh, come, gentle beings, he's worth twice that much. Show us his bite, Vrlexian. I'll buy no humanoid without teeth. Looks a little old to me. Can't trust those Vrlnexians. They'd just as soon cut you as look at you, you know. I was telling my mate the other day, Una, you can't. And that is interrupted by Thor and company. They are leaping into battle. And Thor is shouting, For Odin! For Asgard! Is shouting Hildegard. And we see Tan and Nile and Fandral and Hogan in this panel as well. And the, uh, the, the guy who's the auctioneer is saying, Turn size! More humanoids! And a fine lot they are! Capture them whole and there will be a bonus in it for each of you! 
Get your purse ready, friend. Exiens is one of these uh, guys. Too short work. Aye. Mighty short. And he's gone bought a crump as Thor weighs in. So Thor's waiting in, and we have the rest of them are fighting as well. And we see Hogan here whacking things with his mace. And he says, Filth, ye have sought to defame the finest of the fine. No warrior's deaths do ye deserve, but warrior's deaths shall ye receive. No, insects, the sight of a spinning blade doth reel thee, says Fendril. But are still when the blade sinks home. Enough talk, Fendril, says Hildegard. Our duty is clear. These monsters must fall now. And she takes uh, two of them, she picks one up in each hand and hurls them into the crowd of, of attacking aliens and knocks them all back. And we see Sithgar, and he's kind of watching all this go on. And he's talking with some of his men. Yes, guardians fight well, Sithgar. Tis good we followed your plan. Of course, Gordy. What other choice? Alone we could never triumph, never find revenge. But now with our former partners on the run, we shall be masters of the Golden Star, and I shall rule as is fit for the Lord of the Lizards. And uh, yeah, we should go back to the fight, and uh, we have Tana Nile and Silas Grant, and they're fighting back-to-back, uh, -back, basically. Behind me, Silas Grant, says Tana. Defend my flank, and I shall defend yours. Though that may be more difficult than at first it seemed, for my energy gun has lost its charge, and I must depend on physical strength alone. And yeah, so the, the yeah, the gun seems to be running out of juice. And so she's she's actually karate chopping this guy in the neck. I mean and she, she even goes hi like like a karate yeah. Um Fortunate it is. We colonizers are no strangers to physical strategy. Um for some reason I seem to remember that they're kinda not. Um but Okay, we'll just accept it for now. Forward, for Asgard, shouts Thor. No matter is it what crimes Odin did commit against us ere this moment, still is he the blood of my blood, as guardian all-father, and not else must e'er concern us. And uh, Thor's kind of fighting his way towards Odin, and he's knocking aside all these aliens with a frack, and he's talking, actually shouting at Odin here. Father, I forgive thee. Thy trespasses against me. Say, too, that thou dost see me still as son. And it says here, For the first time since the battle's beginning, a weary, white-maned head lifts. Eyes that are unfocused seem to peer at him who draws near. Odin stares. Then, Thor! Thor, my son! Nay, get thee back before thou art doomed as we are doomed! And Thor and Hildegard are fighting their way towards Odin. Never, shouts Thor. Thou art father! And my father must I save. And it says here in the in the caption here, like a man of fire with passion, the thunder god cuts a swathe through those final guards, his eyes never leaving the object of his concern. And Odin is uh, approaching uh, Thor with his hands out. My son, I beg thee, leave this place before thou must join up in this nightmare. Is this the Odin who gave me my first sword? Says Thor, uh, seeming very annoyed. Is this the Odin who taught me that while breath doth remain, gods must e'er act like men, and so die before slavery? Die before dishonor? Thou art Odin, the Allfather, and Odin must be free. And he grabs the chains that are binding Odin, and he rips them apart like tissue paper. There's a giant spang sound effect 
uh, breaks Odin free. But Odin doesn't seem to be real happy about this. And he's like, oh, my son, what hast thou done? What hast thou done in thy madness? Madness? My father, tis thou who dost act mad. Verily, I do hardly know thee. Thy spirit doth seem broken, the fire gone from thy veins. Come, father, tis time we did return to Asgard. And a voice comes from behind him. Not just yet, thunder god. Scar begs you, remain a while. We have yet to fully thank you for ridding us of our perfidious partners. The Vrelnexians who marooned us on Asgard. With those cursed arthropods gone, we shall resume our position of greatness. An act you are powerless to stop. For you see, slaves, not only has the battle wearied you, but now you are hopelessly, completely surrounded. And they are indeed surrounded by a bunch of lizard people, though that doesn't look like too big of a threat. Anyway, uh, they uh, are all surrounded and they're having all these uh, weapons pointed at them. And we have a next issue blurb. Next issue disaster and that is the mighty thor number 212 we will be talking about this issue right after this message the lonely hearts romance comics podcast in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with ciscoid we're all uh, french canadians here marty in horror comics there's often like this little you know <laughs> romance tinge i guess okay bass <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him <laughs> and yours truly fern i'm very aroused featuring the overproduced wonder that is romance comics theater every episode dan i knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when i reported to work it wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available on iTunes. We've had a comic book romance. And we're back with a few comments, as we always have with these issues. So, all right, so, um, Scar... <laughs> um, yeah, so this is kind of a, an interesting story because this is one of those stories that is kind of ruined by the cover. They could maybe have salvaged this if they had had, you know, that evil ant person on the cover auctioning off Odin, but instead we have Scar doing it. And even though that that event never happens in the issue. So deceptive cover, but... Nobody ever actually bought that that these lizard people were the heroes or you know victims of of the insect people because of the cover. So that was kind of a bad marketing move there. I mean, Scar was probably more interesting looking than the ant guy that was actually the auctioneer, and I, I get that. But okay, yeah, we'll we'll just kind of accept that that is what's going on for now. No doubt there will be more explanation as to why the Asgardians, and in particular Odin, are being meek and scared and, and all of that stuff. So I think that that'll probably be explained next time, but that obviously that's a, a big mystery as far as the story goes. Decently compelling. Now, I would think that if they'd had this big battle, then some news would have broken through to Thor 
you know, at some point, and indeed, we actually did kind of have a hint at it. The, you know, the, the, remember, there was a character a couple of issues ago that said something about Odin being gone. And it really went by without any kind of a, a thought. So interesting that they, they kind of telegraphed what was going on, but it was completely ignored. Nobody drew any attention to it. They never came back to it. So, yeah. So story-wise, it's not a great story. But at least it's a step above, I think, what we've been seeing recently where we have something going on and they have to figure it out. There's a mystery going on. And then it turns out the Sithgar is the bad guy after all, which we kind of knew from the cover. Um, all right. So art-wise, it's not wonderful. I think we're kind of on par with the last couple of episodes where we had Don Perlin doing uh, finishes on Busema. It's, I think, a little bit better than the last issue. I think every issue gets just kind of gradually better, maybe because Perlin is now having more experience. Don Perlin at this point was pretty new to Marvel, and I think that at that point he'd been doing things like Ghost Rider and not really doing a lot of superhero stuff. He's not a, an artist that I would associate with, with superhero stuff, more of like the monster books, more like Werewolf by Night and that kind of thing. And uh, I think that there's a, an interesting, it's, he makes an interesting combination with, with Buscema. And I think here in this issue, he really is working from very rough layouts because I see a lot more Perlin in this issue than I do a Buscema. And it's fine. I mean, it's not the, the greatest art of all time, but it, it's okay. And so Perlin, okay, yeah, I, you know, ten, tentative thumbs up here. I'm not seeing as much really blatant Busema composition or Busema faces like we did in the Ulick issues. Now I'm kind of seeing more of Perlin coming through. And that's how, that's okay. I don't think that Perlin made, did any of the character designs. I don't think that he designed Scar. That is more kind of a distinctly Busema-ish kind of, of look. Backgrounds and fine details, once again, kind of lacking here between, you know, Vinnie Coletta on inks and Don Perlin working over these very, very rough layouts. It, it, it is kind of, again, kind of spare. Uh, the, the Kirby space in particular looks really, really bad. Um, and it's just one of those things that's I'm going to keep mentioning because it grates on me. Thankfully, we only have one more issue left of this little run before we move on to something else. But it's it's just kind of, it, it, it irks me. And it would have irked me at the time too. I don't know that I would have been enthusiastic about buying this book even back in the day uh, when when I was a lot easier to please. Of course, when I came on to Thor and, and I came on in the 240s, it it was really kind of more complete. And we had John Buscema pencils, but we had you know, much, much better inks. I mean, we had Joe Sinnott on the inks and, and those issues looked amazing. So yeah, we know that eventually this will come to an end, but right now, 1973 issues are not impressing me from an artistic standpoint. All right, and with that, it is time to wrap things up for this week. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And once again, I would direct you to our Facebook page. Let's uh, fill out the, the polls. And, and yeah, I really, really do appreciate the input that we're getting from these polls. And it is going to help with, uh, with working on the show over the next few months. So I really, really do appreciate all the feedback I can get. All right, and with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard.
Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>